0: On the South African higher education sector is rapidly preparing for the anticipated reopening of some 26 universities and 50 TVET colleges in some two weeks following the three-week national lockdown aimed at slowing down the spread of COVID-19. Hashtag... Flatten the Curve. Higher Health, the conversation with whom we will be having through Dr. Ramnik Alwalia, a national agency dedicated to promoting the health and well-being of nearly 2 million students in the post-school education system, has made efforts to protect students and staff from the serous infection and to galvanize the youth so that the student population can play a broader role in controlling the spread of the virus itself. COVID-19 predominantly targets and infects people older than 30 and manifests most seriously among those who are older than 65 or young persons in particular whose immune systems have not fully developed and therefore are vulnerable. Doc, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Talk to us about the work that Higher Health has been doing, especially in response to COVID-19. Good evening to everyone. Uh,
1: No, Thank you very much. Um, Higher Health, uh, it's Primarily, if you, if you recall, if you have as rightly rightfully said, all the universities and all the Tibet colleges, you've got about 420 campuses countrywide and a population of over 2 million young students. Um, so obviously, the biggest aim for us is to galvanize our young students. And these are educated South Africans. The aim is to reach out to them, to educate them, to galvanize them. They are right now isolated at home, they are with their family members. They are with their peer, young people and elderly. The aim is how we make them responsible and how we update them with, with absolute um, proper education and information that's coming with this virus. As you know, this virus is changing on a daily basis and we're getting updates from global data on a routine basis. So the aim is how do we communicate to them, how do we educate to them, and how do we use them as change agents that can help us to reach out communities in order for this um, epidemic. And I think that's exactly where we are heading towards. Um, we've got a huge army. We've got an army of about 5,000 peer educators that we develop every year. These students have been with us fighting epidemics like HIV, fighting epidemics like TB, gender-based violence, mental health, uh, issues like drugs and alcohol, um, unplanned pregnancies or teenage pregnancies. So the aim is... If, if we've, if we've seen success with those epidemics, can we quickly use them to assist us in reaching our two million South Africans in order for us to educate them and able to be able to transmit absolutely authentic and updated information to our communities and exactly that's exactly our higher health role going forward with this coronavirus.
0: Have you at all been in conversation with the Ministry of Health or the presidential um that, 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 that council, I just forget its name, that... The command centre. The, the command centre, I mean I would imagine your work as you have been doing is precisely what the government now needs as agents for not just spreading information, but just to make sure that they counter the many fake news stories doing the rounds and the fact that testing now should be rolled out in mass. Your persons are very much trained in engaging communities in the kind of manner and dignity and following the ethical medical protocols for the purposes of conducting such critical work at this time. Have you been in touch with the government stru- structures?
1: Definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm very honored to be part of the, the, the minister's task team, uh, and I've been working very closely with the, the Department of Health ministerial task team. Uh, these are the ministerial task team that supports the minister, who eventually reports into the command center. Um, and definitely, our biggest strength and our role is being absolutely considered, and that is exactly what we are um, already on a rollout. In fact, yesterday alone, with NICD, which is National Institute of Communicable Diseases, We held a a webinar live with about 800 academics or support structures and student leadership across our 26 public universities and city colleges, capacitating them, educating them right from the headquarters of NICD, updating to the latest guidelines or protocols we have when it comes to uh, coronavirus. Our, Our vision is that we need to provide the most authentic and updated information as the global data keeps coming every second day and we keep revising our guidelines. The aim is to keep on communicating and educating. I believe that in this virus and this epidemic we might not have the treatment yet but what we have is prevention. Um, and in these developing countries like ours, where we fought many epidemics, we actually have the experience and the know-how of what prevention means for us and what prevention means for our communities. Our youth probably are not in the, in the severe form of the infection, but they are equally susceptible to the virus. But remember, this youth is the one who's going to be the carrier for this virus and affect the elderly or affect the vulnerable like the HIV or the ones who are immunocompromised uh, or anybody who is more susceptible to this epidemic uh, in a severe form. So the aim is, how do we make our youth responsible? And the only way will be is to reach out to our youth to educate our youth. if our 2 million young South Africans who are educated and can speak to their peers, speak to their families, speak to the elderly, and be responsible. We've achieved a much bigger stride against this epidemic. And Higher Health's role will be to continuously fight on this ground and use what our strengths are. And our plan to support the president's call on solidarity is our strength. And our strength is education. And education is prevention, and our vision will be used to capacitate them thoroughly and continuously.
0: Dr. Ramnik Alwalia, CEO of Higher Health and National Agency dedicated to promoting the health and well-being of its most critical student community, 2 million of, in post-school education system. He returns to us after the ad break. We're talking about the work the organization is doing in assisting fighting COVID-19 and making sure 2 million students are safe for when they return to class. And I don't imagine they'll be returning to class physically, perhaps. You might know more than I do. After this break, let's have a conversation about some of those issues. Dr. Ramnik Alwalia, 0891-104-207. That's the number to dial to engage with us, but particularly him. All on now. Now. This evening, it's all things COVID. Limpopo villages have no water, but the lottery money gets stolen for years and years by those who are in charge of the lottery money their friends and families are the ones the money goes to but nothing gets done by the people's beloved ANC bosses. Thank you so much for your message there. France, let's go to Samson Ziane in Deep Gloof who says government thought they got rid of those in informal settlements and rural areas. This has come back to bite them. They have to start talking on the ground and organizing by sections of a zone community for manageability. Steve Biko's legacy of community projects so to speak. Another one poses a question really. Greetings panel As very little is known about the coronavirus and seems to be a compendium of complications. These are destructive to the human being and at large resulting in death. When will there be a positive identification of the coronavirus? Much appreciated, Paulisa. Everybody concerned, and but I'm going to respond to that or rather return to that one message I read. Secondly, in terms of government needs to start talking to people on the ground and organizing. You mentioned earlier on that there was a live um webinar involving some 800 personnel. I didn't quite get the community to whom you were talking to. But isn't that part of the problem in relation to how, generally speaking, the response has been to COVID-19? For the most part, it is talking to the middle class upwards, the critical community who are in the poverty spaces who oftentimes cannot engage with the information the manner that you and I ordinarily can through smartphones, through television, the ability and facility to buy newspapers or to engage even the complex lingo that is used for the purposes of getting the message out in English. Are we not perhaps dropping the ball? I mean, this is precisely what a former colleague of ours here, Chris Vick, has decided to do as a communication specialist to break down the message which is largely tailored for the middle class, for the lower class so that they can engage in a manner that best represents how they engage information more broadly.
1: Um, I, I must, um, must be very honest. We are at the very early stages of this virus in our country at this moment. A lot has been um, achieved um, through the support of the government as well as civil societies or private sector partners around. Lockdown is one of the big reasons of, uh, of any big decision a country can ever take. It's, uh, it's going to hit a huge economy, and specifically the most affected will always be the most poor or the most vulnerable. Um, daily wages, people who, who rely on food, and when the economy closes or shut down, they get affected the most at this moment. But a decision of that kind, calling a lockdown, is eventually a decision which was supposed to be made towards flattening the curve, which was absolutely, in my sense, was needed because no country can ever see its human lives being lost. I'm a medical doctor. The worst thing anybody can ever see is to lose a human life. Um, An economic shutdown will re- re- result in a lot of challenges, but a loss of human life through a virus like this is much more deepna, uh, deeper than it expects. And most importantly, once the community spreads, starts reaching our townships or our rural communities, obviously our challenges will become much more severe. And I think that's exactly where we as a country needs to uh, figure out how do we reach to our communities. From our side, we've got about 22 community radio stations, which are campus and community radio stations. Mm. A simple station like a UNITRA FM, right in Transcai, sitting in Amtata, mm-hmm. who speaks to it, and people have, it has a listenership of about 400,000 at times with our young people in Khasa, in Transcai, mm-hmm. in Amtata area. How do we capacitate? And, and I think as higher health, we are now capacitating about 200 um, radio journalists that are with us in higher education through our community and campus radio stations. We're going to capacitate and educate them and train them on coronavirus so that they can produce content on coronavirus. They can, in their language, in community sense, in easy format, they can start engaging, even in a musical way, in a comic way, but they start engaging and talking about coronavirus. Because you never know, there is one listener, deep down in a rural town, who's listening to that radio journalist, and maybe is grasping that education. Education will never go wrong, and we need, we have to use every angle. We are now starting an SMS campaign. An SMS campaign where we're going to start writing SMSs to our um, at least a million students uh, with immediate effects, whose numbers, whose whose contact details are are through our institutions, and and try to inform them uh, through repeated information or updated information or authentic information, so that they are able to understand, even if they even if half of them read them at one time there is some information that starts going out to our community. We're going to start with our peer educators. So our biggest asset is our our community reach. If our young peers who are right at the community level become volunteers Mm. and start coming up with us and saying, okay, we'll go to our schools and we'll go to our families. Even if there's a lockdown, a lot can be achieved through a family structure or through a community level. Um, to your channels like SAFN, who's got a very good and a very important reach. Today, while you and I are talking, there might be five human lives that are listening to what you are saying. And maybe it's affecting them. Maybe it's telling them this is a serious virus. It spreads very quickly. Um, How is the transmission of this virus? What does self-isolation mean? What is quarantine in reality? Mm. What Mm. should I do if I have symptoms like this in a situation like this? Where should I report? Doc, let me interrupt you. I'm
0: sorry to have to interrupt you, but I'm running out of time. I've literally got three and a half minutes, and I have a call from Stephen in 8Cake in the northwest, and I'd love for him to make a very short but powerful contribution. Thanks, Stephen, for calling. Your contribution, please.
2: Good evening to you. Look, man, let's just be honest. Our country is messing up. Let's look at China, for example, which gave us a good example how to handle this virus. One, they admitted that this is an airborne disease. I'm talking about all their specialists. They did the nonsense that we hear in our country that this is an air droplet, the droplet uh, disease kind. No. They admitted the truth. And they gave their people N95 masks because they knew that this is a respiratory a disease virus, a very deadly pathogen. They never played. Our country did a uh, to consider this. Uh, in the next upcoming session, uh, uh, allow me maybe to give you the list of professionals in China who, who spoke about this virus. Let's hear from them and let's let's weigh the difference between the information we are hearing from, from our own uh, uh, country and from where the the pathogen started. We will notice that uh, our country is messing up Number two. No, no, we'll have I, to leave I, it there
0: because we need to. Ge- we'll have to leave it there. I'm sorry, brother, because you did call us somewhat a bit late in the program. Let's give an opportunity to Dr. Ramnik Alwalia to respond to what you have already said in the minute that remains.
1: I, I think, uh, to very importantly, I think uh, to respect everyone who's speaking about it, but the scientific way of understanding is it, it is not an airborne disease. The airborne part is only still being uh, just recently come by WHO and it's very confined to hospital settings where the where the, the the patient and the the uh, healthcare worker is quite close specifically when you're doing um uh, intubation or you're doing um, ventilating support at that moment um it is not an airborne it is through droplets um if somebody sneezes or somebody coughs or, or a droplet moves from one person to the other or is it by shaking hands or with the hand if you touch a, a place or a contact place where a droplet is alive or is there because this virus can stay on the surface for a longer period and, and and because we are a human and our nose, our eyes or our mouth are close to our hand, that the spread of the infection happens quickly um, and, and, and I'm not um, defining what what our colleague is saying um, For me, the masks are very critical at a hospital setting uh, on on routine settings. Um, the aim is to have social distancing. The aim is to ensure that one person is not in contact close to the other person. You must also remember, N95 um, masks are quite expensive. So are the three ply masks. But uh, the important thing is, masks have not been shown to be absolutely preventive. As long as somebody is not sneezing or somebody is not coughing, doc. So the aim is.
0: Let me interrupt you. I think. People should take time to go and educate themselves on symptoms and the value or otherwise of gloves and masks. Final question, because we do want to talk to some of the student issues in the 30 seconds that literally remain in this program. In a couple of weeks' time, there will be reopening of universities for the most part, and I would hope it's going to be online. How prepared is the university set up then, together with your students, some 5,000 foot soldiers, able to get back to the academic program without it? or making reversals in the fight against COVID-19?
1: I think, the, um, uh, I think there's a lot of work being done on the backside towards uh, identifying e-learning mechanisms, towards identifying how we can continue education and academia through, um, uh, through web-based or through online systems. Um, there's a lot of work uh, that still needs to be pending, a lot of information around how digital we can quickly move into. Um, our biggest task from the now to the next moment will be is how do we find innovative ways to reach to our young students very quickly. And uh, From my perspective, my vision will be is very quickly to reach out to our student community by training our academics and by training our peer-to-peer educators who work on daily basis very quickly, even if it means through web-based or through finding data with uh, service providers. And once we start Achieving that role, we'll be able to then start reaching out to communities very Excellent. quickly and through them, we'll be able to start disseminating uh, updated information on coronavirus. Very Excellent.
0: Quickly. Doc, we have run out of time. Nonetheless, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Ramnik Alwalia, CEO of Higher Health. All the best for the work that you do.
1: I'm very honored. Thank you. Excellent.